Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Episode 263, How to Negotiate a Higher Salary in Any Field with Mandy Woodruff-Santis. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today is required listening. So if you just turned on this episode by accident, don't turn it off. It's time. This is going to change your life. If anything, it's going to change your mindset and then eventually you will change your life. So (laughs) mandatory listening. Yes. Required listening. There will be a test at the end. And that test is you negotiating for more pay and reporting back that you have won your negotiations. Amen. Amen. So we are really excited to get into this with Mandy because negotiating is something that we we don't just do for our salaries. We negotiate, you know, prices on Facebook Marketplace. We negotiate deals in self-employment. We negotiate a lot of things and it starts here. So the more you negotiate, this is a skill that you have to get better at. So don't say I'm not a good negotiator. Don't say I'm in a field that can't be negotiated. Uh-uh. Listen, say, try saying that at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe that, that could be your mindset now. And especially mm-hmm. this is for you. Yes. If that's what you're thinking. And hear me out. I come from the field of social work, have lots of teacher friends, like your traditional fields where you think there's not much room to increase, to be able to negotiate. And Mandy gave me more food for thought and things to consider and really challenged and pushed back on some of that mindset that we all need to hear. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah. But first, this episode is brought to you by Mariah Carey. Oh, thanks, Mariah. Woo! Because all I want for Christmas is for you to join us on Patreon. By supporting us on Patreon for $5 a month, you get to buy me a Starbucks latte <laughs> every month and not Jill. She's nope, I'll drink. save that money. Yeah. And you get priority placement for Bill of the Week. Uh, you get a bonus member episode every month where you can ask us questions like what Jen hates most about pregnancy or why Jill puts arugula in her smoothies. <laughs> so if these are things that sound interesting to you, Please support us on Patreon. Join the fun, frugalfriendspodcast.com slash 
Patreon. Here's just a freebie, whether or not you're in the Patreon. I didn't intentionally put arugula in the smoothie, and I might stop doing that now because it really took over. <laughs> that flavor really took over. Yeah, I heard about it. Yep. Yeah. That spring mix might not be the way to go. <laughs> so that is what we do in the Patreon. It's a lot of fun. And if you're here uh, and you are interested in increasing your income. We don't actually have any other like salary-based episodes. This is our first one. So again, Mm. required listening, very excited. But if you're looking to increase your income, we've got our Frugal Side Hustle series uh, and we have just episodes on starting a side business. So we've got episode 252, how to make more money with a side business. uh, And then episode 242, uh, digital products with Ali Diop. That one's really good. So definitely check out some of our other episodes on increasing your income after you listen to this one. Mm, Yes. More to queue up. Always more. Absolutely. So Mandy needs no introduction. You probably know her as the award-winning co-host of the Brown Ambition podcast, but she is also the founder of the Mandy Moneymakers, which is her leadership and career coaching community for women of color. She has been featured on the Dr. Phil show, the New York Times, CNBC, CNN, a bunch of other places. And for good reason, she is an expert at what she talks about. And we are excited to share this interview with you now. Let's not waste another minute getting to Mandy. Mandy, welcome to the Frugal Friends podcast. We are super excited to talk about the subject and we're super excited to talk about it with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, such an important topic. Well, we'll tell our individual stories, I'm sure, throughout. And we've got a special lightning round and all of that. But just to jump in, Mandy, can you tell us a little bit about your career, how you began, like first job stuff, and what it taught you about salary negotiation? Kind of like take us on that journey, if you will. Yeah, sure. So my first, you know, big girl job after college, I got a job. At, I studied journalism. I studied print journalism, which was real, real smart. I graduated in 2009 <laughs> when the industry was dying. Well, it wasn't dying, but it was at this huge transition point and print in general was never going to be the same. And I got a job. I was lucky to get a job in newspapers writing for print. And about a week or maybe even the same week that I started that job, I got an email from a magazine that I had interned at uh, during college and they were looking for uh, basically a fact checker. And it was a job in New York City. And that was my first time really having that career sort of like a crossroads where I was figuring out, am I going to quit after just I just joined this job? And I feel so grateful and it's a recession. Am I really going to do this? And I ended up coming to my senses and taking that job in New York because I did actually really want a career in magazines. And it was New York and I'm from Georgia. And, you know, Atlanta is hot now, but it was not it in 2009 when it came (laughs) to journalism jobs. So that was my first time with like a big quit. And I did not negotiate that first time. I was just so happy. It was maybe $15,000 more than what I was making. But, you know, recently I went back to my emails from those early days. I'm working on a book and I was like trying to go back and put myself in the shoes of what I was feeling. And thank goodness I wrote a lot of emails back then. It was like before texting became huge. (laughs) And I didn't negotiate, but I realized I didn't have to because I was in touch with the woman who referred me. She was the one leaving the 
the job. And she was so sweet. She made sure I knew what to ask for. She was like, you need to ask for 45. That's the budget for the role. And she really helped me in that sense. And then I was flung into the real world and left to my own devices from there. I very quickly fell on my butt. That job that I thought was my dream job, I ended up getting laid off from just three months later. And I was back in the job market, really struggling. I barely had any savings because I'd only been working for a few months. And I was lucky to get another job opportunity. And this time it was a huge pay. It was a huge downgrade. I was went from making 45K to 35K, got the offer. Googled to see how to negotiate. Should I negotiate? Kind of like ask my uncle. Everyone's got that like smart. I don't know. The one who seems savvy in your family that you call up for <laughs> advice. And he yes. was like, yeah, ask for more. <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah, women don't ask for more. So just ask for more. And so I did. And I heard, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> and then I learned in that moment that just asking really isn't the only thing that matters. Plucking up your courage to ask is important, but if you don't have leverage, if you don't, if your value isn't clear to the company you're applying to, you're more than likely gonna hear no. And so that was a real pivotal moment for me and a lesson that if I want to be successful negotiating and making up, you know, this lost ground because I took a huge pay cut, you know, I was gonna have to work really hard to prove my value. And from there, got I had cracked the code of getting over that fear of asking. But from there, I had to figure out, okay, how do I get to a position where they are so blown away by me and want me on their team that they're going to say yes when I negotiate? Oh, Mandy, this is so, so helpful. And (laughs) I feel as though is that kind of missing puzzle piece Mm -hmm. to this whole negotiation topic. And I hear it a lot from my husband. He works in some kind of like tech space to some degree and and is responsible for hiring. And I hear this from him a lot. Like all these people are just asking for massive salaries, but they're not showing me what they can do. And you've just verbalized it in a way that makes so much sense that it needs to be connected to something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we have to have decades of experience, but an ability to show. And here's why, not just because we live in a world where everybody's asking for more like, okay, yeah, so everyone's just asking Mm -hmm. for more. So Mm -hmm. what, what sets you apart? And, and yeah, I'm excited to hear your feedback on kind of how we do that, how we show that. Yeah, absolutely. I actually developed a five step method for negotiating that has nothing to do with sitting at the negotiating table and saying stuff. Everyone thinks that that's when the negotiation happens. It's like when you get an offer in your hands and then you go back and forth and all those like tropes of negotiating, like the firm handshake and having those like masculine tendencies and you know, playing hardball and having a poker face, like all those sort of like masculine analogies start to come out. And for me, it's just nothing like that. And especially because most of my, the people I work with are women of color and the rules are just a little bit different for us, you know, in general, Mm -hmm. when we walk into a negotiation and based on my career, you know, over the course of a decade, when I started to finally get it, how to show my impact and actually bring excellence to the table. And, you know, of course, learn how to be a better negotiator, but also create a career that was attracting me to upward or attracting opportunities to me that were juicy, that could pay me, that were exciting, that really wanted to have me. And I got more and more successful at negotiating. I was able to 10X my income from 30K to over 300K in just a decade, going from that girl who got laid Mm -hmm. off from a magazine job to then negotiating, you know, multi six figure 
compensation packages. And it's from not just learning how to negotiate, but all these steps that I sort of break down in what I call the maker method. And I teach this method in a free negotiating masterclass um, once in a while. I just did one last night, actually. And I love it. So fun. (laughs) Yeah, but and and it blows people's mind because I know people come to me and they want me to like tell them the secret sauce to negotiating more. And my secret sauce is just different. I I really fundamentally understand because I've been on both sides as someone who's been the negotiator, like as a job candidate and also as a hiring manager myself, like your husband, I was a senior director and I was hiring, you know, dozens of roles um, over the course of like five years when I was working in fintech. And I know what it's like to be on the other side and to be asking for more budget, you know, to negotiate with people and what makes the people who are successful at negotiating successful. And it really comes back to, they have to really want to hire you. They have to be excited about you because it takes time and effort to like go ask for more money, to get additional approvals from HR or other senior leaders at your company to free up more budget for someone. They want to, they have to fight for you. They have to want to fight for you. And a lot of people I would say aren't spending enough time creating a strong professional brand that makes companies really excited to work with them. And of course that starts with like great work product, but it's also getting your work seen and heard internally at your company and also externally so that recruiters and hiring managers can find you and they're coming to poach you versus you always being the one Mm -hmm. applying for jobs. I do find that when you are the one being poached, you just have more leverage to start with because they have come to you, tapped you on the shoulder and they're like, we want you. And you go into Mm -hmm. that negotiation a lot stronger, you know? That is such an interesting concept and thing something I didn't like think about is like being poached. Like how do you put yourself in a position to get there? <laughs> I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I have been What's um, the secret? Yeah, the secret is you have to be really easy to be found. I talked to you about this earlier. So yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's because I I was in a field where you know, I was a journalist. So my name was on my work and it was already, Mm. you know, a little bit out there, but I had to become more and more comfortable sharing my work product and getting noticed. So, and poaching was such an important pivotal part of my negotiating story too, and how I 10X'd my salary. Because over the course of 10 years, I did quit jobs six times and exponentially increased my income with each quit. So I was always doing it strategically and able to negotiate more. But I only applied for one of those jobs, those six times. The other five times they came to me. And it was such an important part, like I said, of giving myself stronger leverage point. So the reason you want to be poached, a couple of things. One, like it makes it less of a burden on you to go out there and be applying for jobs and like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. If you focus on creating great work, creating a good reputation internally at your company, just being a good employee, being kind to your colleagues, because you never know where they're going to end up. And then actually being someone who shares your work. So that can easily be sharing on LinkedIn. I know for a lot of my um, my clients and the people in my community, it can be kind of a, a hump to get over. Bragging about yourself, it's seen as like... <laughs> I don't know, self-promotion and, oh, it's social media and it's so cringe, but I'm not talking about posting a thirst trap on IG. I'm talking (laughs) about like posting about- uh, Dang it. No, I like, maybe that's for you, but some people know. (laughs) But LinkedIn is so incredibly powerful. And I was an early adopter of LinkedIn and all those job interviews that I got, they either came from LinkedIn, someone who found me on LinkedIn, got my email from LinkedIn. 
So you have to be able to be found by the people who have the power to hire you. And the reality is that very much today, like the majority of recruiters are finding candidates through LinkedIn and the juiciest job offers, the juiciest job opportunities, they're recruiting for those roles before they're even posted online. So if you really want to be in the running for the best job opportunities, you need to be poachable. Like you need to be found. And when they find your profile on LinkedIn, what are they going to see? Is it going to be a ghost town? You know, are you going to have your key accomplishments there? Are you going to be clear about who you are and what you offer and how you can be the solution to their problem? You know, really taking some time. It is not something you need to do every day. It's like kind of a set it and forget it thing. Just update your LinkedIn, make sure it has your key accomplishments, your your key skills, like where you're working now so that recruiters can find you. And when you Mm -hmm. get poached, it does give you that extra bit of leverage because they are coming to you and they know they have to woo you. They know they have to entice you to come to them because you're gainfully employed already, right? Yeah, LinkedIn does seem to be the spot, just kind of regularly (laughs) updating (laughs) that. There's so much that happens there. I mean, yeah, it's a a networking tool and it really does create some amazing networking opportunities and job opportunities. Do you find, Mandy, are there particular fields that you're more likely to be poached within? Like, What kinds of fields are we primarily Mm. talking? All of them. I mean... The, the women in my Mandy Moneymakers community, they range from school teachers to, you know, VPs at big tech companies. And I see them getting poached all the time. Like they work in government jobs. They work for city government, federal government, for the private sector, for the nonprofit sector. It happens in every industry. So no one gets a free pass. Mm-hmm. The potential is truly there. And it's because recruiters, like they're busy. They want to find the best fit for a job. And there's really no better place to source candidates now unless you're, you know, using a talent agency or like a recruitment agency than LinkedIn. Yeah. And especially for like mm-hmm. as a hiring manager myself, even though I had a recruiting team that I could use, I still like I knew better than anyone else what kind of person I was looking for. And I was on LinkedIn just as much as they were trying to find them. So I do believe LinkedIn is Bay. Mm. That being said, it's not the only lever that you can pull when it comes to getting noticed and getting poached. You just want to show up where your next employer is hanging out. So that may be a professional conference. Like Jen, I met you at FinCon. I didn't know I was going to meet you, but I thought, hey, I'm starting. I have this new business that I've started in the past year and a half. I kind of want to reintroduce myself to the FinCon community. I'm just going to go and hang out. And I'm sure, you know, making connections there maybe will lead to some opportunities. I didn't know what they were, but hey, you have a podcast. We met and then you invited me to come on the show. So why don't you put yourself out there and go to a industry conference if that's where people that you want to get in front of are hanging out. If it's not a conference, maybe it's a particular networking group or it's certain events, you know, like one day events that are being held in your industry. We're going to uh, like those small networking communities that maybe you get through work, like a employee resource group or something like that. But put yourself in a position where you can be noticed by people who could potentially hire you. Yeah, we think a lot of these are like reserved for entrepreneurs, but there are there's a lot of benefit if even Mm. if you don't want to be self-employed to be more gainfully employed by attending these things for sure. 
Yeah. And I'm, Hey, I'm an introvert, like hardcore. So I don't, and I, and I always say that because the first thing people say, or they're like, especially when I talk about putting yourself out there on LinkedIn or going to a conference, they're like, Oh, I'm an introvert. It's hard. Oh, come on. <laughs> like You can put yourself out of your comfort zone and get it done. I mean, what's the, I feel like the downside, the, the cons just outweigh the pros. The con is that maybe you'll be a little uncomfortable. It'll be a little awkward. You know, it'll take some practice for you to get comfortable being there. But the pro is that you could wind up with such a great opportunity that's going to not just pay you more, but value you more, give you room for growth. Like just, there's too many upsides, you know? Yeah, I know. I'm a introvert too. And I think the reason I talked to you is because you wrote an article that I really appreciated. And I think, well, we should talk about it in a little bit, but about you, like you being a hiring manager and fighting for an employee of yours. And I thought it was like fantastic. And that's, and then I just like, had to sit down because I was pregnant. And, and that's how we that's how we got to where we are today. <laughs> I just had to sit down next to you. Oh, thanks. I didn't know that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's encouraging. And, and I think highlighting the mindset shift necessary in this whole space, because my mind did go to, okay, yeah, this sounds great for people in the tech space or corporate space or business people. I'm accustomed to the, the field of social work or the circles mm -hmm. I run in or a lot of teachers. And, and I know that there's more options than what I think meets the eye or what we're kind of told or boxed into. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to poaching, like, I don't think I have ever heard of a teacher getting poached, but maybe it happens. But what you're saying is, if we put ourselves out there more and more, like there are certainly as I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, yeah, there are conferences for teachers. Yeah, there are things teachers do that are outside of the classroom. Yes, there are ways for social workers to move up in their skill set and ability to earn more money. So I think it's it's more so the mindset shift than it yep. is kind of getting locked into this is what this field looks like and we don't mm -hmm. have access to any of the other things that other people have access to. I mean, yeah. maybe the earning potential overall might be a little bit less than the, the tech space or uh, some of these other maybe. higher earning, maybe, but there's there's still opportunity to grow within them. I think that's what's being highlighted. Like there are still these opportunities. You can still be on LinkedIn. You can still be going mm -hmm. to conferences and learning more about the ways that you can take the next step in your career and find the things that you're more... Um, yeah, passionate about. So it's it's just encouraging. And that's what I'm highlighting for everybody. Because I know we've got people listening who are not in your high earning potential fields. Mm -hmm. And yet, there's still opportunities. They've which been is, told they're not high earning potential fields. It's yeah. funny because I have a lot of, um, I mean, I, told, I work with so many different people from different backgrounds. It's such a privilege. I love getting to talk to so many different women every day. Social work, nonprofit workers, school teachers, higher education workers. And in this, I don't know how to bundle that group into one category, but I would definitely say it's a, it's a group of careers and industries and specialties that have just been so undervalued. And it's almost like that, that mm -hmm. space to, relies upon the largely women who occupy those those roles. I don't think we can both agree that's usually women in those fields are dominating. 
it almost relies upon us not believing that we have more opportunity and that we have potential to be earning more so that we stay stuck and we stay where we are. But I've just seen it when I when I talk to women, I really work on the mindset of really who told you that you can't get poached and who told you that there's maybe not another school that would pay you more and be a better environment for you to work at. And often it's just a story we tell ourselves. And because we believe it, we just start to like, make that we start to believe it and talk amongst ourselves. And we're all kind of sharing that same mentality. And it's like this misery stew where we're all just like staying stuck. But really, if you if you keep poking, which I do and as a coach, just like, but who said that? Is there a statistic? Is there like a stat? Is there a um, is there, was there a speech given by the president of school teachers? I don't know. But like, where does that come from? And, and when I challenge that, you start to see them start to realize you can create a different story for yourself. You really can. And, and take school teachers, for example. I have a, a woman named Morena, Warena, who's in my Mandy Moneymakers community. She's a school teacher in the DMV area. And she really wanted to break into tech. And she has been finding scholarships to attend an Afrotech conference, which is this mm. largely Black employee-focused tech conference that pops up in different cities. And she's putting herself in these spaces and getting these cool opportunities. She found a scholarship, you know, and she found people who wanted to sponsor her and she's well on her way. And at the same time, while she's working on her transition into tech, she also quit her job as a school teacher and found another district that was more conducive to what she needed. And that paid her more, you know, so I teachers can job hop just like anyone else. And also just really quickly about poaching, maybe there's this perception that when I say poach, I mean like a recruiter or the senior executive at a company from on high is looking through LinkedIn and selecting people, but it doesn't always work out that way. Like the people sitting next to you can poach you. So the woman who I used to work with as an intern, you know, she technically poached me for that job at that magazine because she remembered me. She reached out. She was like, I like you. I want to put you up for this role. That to me is poaching too. Mm. So mm-hmm. when teachers so network amongst each other and you get to know teachers in other districts, other states, like I just had a good friend of mine here in New York. She's a principal in the city. A friend of hers was an assistant principal at another school further away and was like, I really want to work with you. They have a job opening up, come. And she got that job. So like it happens even in the education space. Mm -hmm. I don't want folks Mm -hmm. to think it doesn't. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Mm, Thank you, Mandy. (laughs) So then when it comes to, so even beyond poaching, our own negotiations, Mm -hmm. what advice do you have for people like to avoid it backfiring on us? Because we have heard those stories of like trying for something and then not only not getting it, but potentially like not getting the job at all. Uh, What to do if it does backfire? What stories have you heard? (laughs) (laughs) How many? And where are they? Because I feel like whenever people say that, I'm like, when I ask for what story, it's like, mm, well, maybe it was just one. <laughs> it was like a friend yeah. of a friend of a someone who saw it on the internet. Like, yeah, they're out there. It's mostly when they're trying to change jobs, maybe not necessarily within a job trying to negotiate, but but I've I know people who have tried to kind of pin employers against each other and then like mm. lost out on both of them. So I think it's usually in mm-hmm. the job change space. But I don't, yeah, either one that you want to speak to negotiating in the space you're already in or in a job change. Yeah. So how to do this well, I guess, negotiating well so that it doesn't backfire. I mean, I hear you saying it it usually doesn't, but what can people do to set themselves up best? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mentioned in the five-step method, the first thing I talked about was making them excited to hire you. The second step is really important and it's attracting multiple offers. So you brought up, how do you juggle those multiple offers without like burning bridges and and upsetting people? Um, It is a delicate balance. And I'm not going to say that it's not, it's a lot easier when you just talk to one person. It's kind of like trying to date multiple people at one time and keep the name straights and names, names and birthdays and special dates like straight, you know? So you have to understand that it's going to be a little bit challenging in that way. But I think if you approach it from a place of honesty and transparency throughout the hiring process. So for example, if you're talking to employer A and during the middle of the interview process, employer B comes in the picture, they reach out to you on LinkedIn and you are excited about that opportunity, you know, telling employer A, you know, I want to continue interviewing with you, but I also want to be transparent I'm getting further along in an interview with a, with a, another firm. And you can use that in a way that's not going to burn bridges, but just helps them understand that you're a hot commodity and that there's someone else who's interested in working with you. I would bring that up for sure with the company that you ultimately want to work with and kind of tell them in a way that's, hey, I just want to be transparent. I may have another potential offer on the table, especially if you're in a situation where the interview has been dragging on or you've been waiting on an offer and they haven't Mm -hmm. like just picked up their feet and like done it. You can use that to kind of get 
them moving and say, you know, you guys are my first choice, but I do want to be transparent. I have another offer potentially coming in. I just wanted to know how soon do you think we'll be able to get an offer on the table? And then when you do get that offer, let's say that it's less than what competitor employer B has offered you or looks like they're going to offer you, then just be transparent and honest again and say, y'all are my top pick, but I have to be honest. Um, This other offer that I am looking at right now is offering me 10K more, 15K more, oops, whacking my mic um, or whatever it may be and let them know. Now, if they say, how dare you, you know, this is our best and final offer and you should be grateful and blah, blah, blah. And click, (laughs) they hang up the phone. Like that's the worst case scenario. Who wants to work there anyway? You know, you kind of have to use this as an opportunity to see who you're working with and how they're going to handle a situation like that. Mm -hmm. That's the worst case scenario. More likely, and what I see is that at that point, they've invested time, resources, people power into recruiting you, going through the interview process. And if you followed all the steps that I outlined about making them excited to hire you, you know, really knowing your value and illustrating that, making them fall in love with you and and, and want you at that point, they're not going to want to go back to the drawing board. They're going to want to make it work. And that's when it comes back to, are you that person that someone wants to fight for? That someone wants to go send that email to HR and ask for the extra money and be like, oh, I really want to work with Jillian. Um, She's got another offer. What can we do? I'm afraid she's going to, you know, we're going to lose her. That's what you want to happen. If you've really illustrated your value and they are excited to have you, it's very unlikely that they're just going to burn that bridge and close the door on you just because, you know, you've brought a competing offer to the table. Yeah. Nice. And if it does... I guess if it backfires, like, why would you really want to work there anyway? Yeah. That's, that's why really do we have I to think. go with the worst case scenario? There's a bunch of other yeah. positive outcomes. <laughs> yes. Like I see it every day. Positive. Like my, one of my favorite stories, Jasmine, she's a, um, someone who reached, when I first started my business, I was doing free coaching just to see if I was good at it. I was, it's fine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this, um, this young woman, Jasmine in Texas, she works in higher ed and she was a researcher. Um, I think she like studied blood or something like that. She had to be in the office um, to do it during the pandemic with a toddler at home. I don't know how she did it. And when she reached out to me, she had like no negotiating experience and like, and many people in, in academia thought that she was kind of stuck and she was earning like 50K at the time and started to put herself out there, apply, get on LinkedIn, work her network. She ended up fielding three different job offers at the same time within a span of like three days. She had three different job oh. offers. Offer one was 73, offer two was 90, offer three was 110, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the power of her managing those different offers, walking away when she got the lowball offer, negotiating more based on her second offer from offer number three. I mean, this is a woman who did not think that she could negotiate before. So Mm -hmm. I I see it happening. I know the power of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm a huge proponent of, listen, juggling those different dates. (laughs) (laughs) If you dated around a lot, then you'll be really good at this. (laughs) Or if you didn't, now's your chance. (laughs) Yes. In a different way. Even better. Mandy, not to put you on the spot. I know this question is not in our outline to you, but I know we're talking a lot about kind of negotiating when changing jobs. Do some of these same principles apply if we're just negotiating within the job we're already in? Or or do you recommend kind of job hopping a lot to be able to get the, the higher wage or, or what are you seeing? What could be applied for someone who they really like their job, they want to make more? 
there's a method to my madness. You know, I focus a lot on creating a strong professional brand so that you can attract the juiciest job offers to you. But it also is impossible to deny an employee's excellence when they are being, you know, they're sharing it with the world. They're getting great feedback from people outside the company and within the company. All the things that go into creating a strong professional brand you know, as a worker today that help, they help you in your current job, maybe put yourself up for a promotion or get the sense among people at your company that you're a hot commodity. We might lose Mandy because we see her getting awards, speaking at events. We're not dumb. We know that our competitors mm. are going to be, are going to find her and want to work with her. So what can we do to retain her? I was a part of many conversations as a hiring manager about retention, and you would have to identify who's the greatest flight risk on your team. And it wasn't just people who are fed up and want to leave. It's like people who have the potential to get poached from your competitors. And that's, you know, those are conversations that hiring managers are having. So I do think that everything I talk about can apply to positioning yourself and thinking of your current employer as someone who should be competing for you. And I do encourage women, especially to, you know, go for it, ask for that promotion, ask for their raise internally at your company, really get in the habit of chronicling your impact along the way as you go through your the year, for example, like your impact. So what kind of work have you produced and, and how have you maybe exceeded expectations and how can that be measured? Did you create a more efficient system that saved money? Or, you know, you trained X number of new employees, which led to higher engagement rates in the survey, like whatever your, you know, measures for success are, those KPIs, how can you demonstrate your impact and be talking about that with your employer? And don't be shy about letting them know, you know, after a year or two, I'd love to be considered for this next role. And if you hear no, and if you feel stymied in your growth, absolutely, you're in the right for wanting to pursue a new opportunity outside the company. And if you're doing everything I'm talking about and you're sharing your work outside, chances are some opportunities are going to come to you and you're going to have other options than just staying stuck where you are and where they're not giving you those opportunities for a raise or for growth. You see how that kind of all works Mm -hmm, together? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then if you do get a competing offer, there's no better way to get to have the leverage to get a raise at work outside of the normal annual review raise than having a competing job offer. So I do, and I'm not saying that you have to take every job offer that you get, but I definitely believe if a couple of things are true, absolutely you should jump and not feel bad about it. Like if you're yeah. gonna get paid substantially more and if you're gonna get opportunities to grow that you're not getting where you are, why would you stay? Mm. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think we have we have a lot of like listeners and and I can I feel the same like when I switched industries kind of felt similarly like I would love to make more but I love the place where I'm at so much like I love the people I work with the environment's very chill and mm-hmm. and they kind of associate going up in pay with going up in stress or oh, yeah, negative work time. environment yeah we how do telling you telling ourselves uh, crap to keep us stuck <laughs> yeah so like what how do you what mm. do you tell people and like yeah if and I know we're not talking worst case scenarios if it is a more stressful environment like what is the benefit of that too, or, or the way out of don't that? Like, go, yeah, how do you get people out of there? Don't take that job where you have to sell your soul for more pay. 
Like, yeah. Um, How can you, is there a way to identify that before you take it? For sure. If you have a way of getting in touch with any colleagues who've recently left the company, maybe you know someone who's worked there or you can find people on LinkedIn who used to work there mm. and ask about their experience. I wouldn't say go to like Glassdoor reviews because generally only the most like angry <laughs> employees who leave the company leave <laughs> yeah. reviews. It's kind of like Yelp, like only people who hate something are going to take the time to leave a review. But yeah, you can do your due diligence in that way. You can um, you can ask for peer interviews, like through the hiring process. If you're only speaking to higher ups, you can say, I'd love to chat with a, a couple of peers that I may be working alongside. And they may give you some candid feedback on like what the work environment is like. Some of the most toxic work environments based on the feedback I get from hundreds of clients are is like nonprofits. You know, there's this thing that <laughs> nonprofits pay terrible, mm -hmm. great place to work. You're all doing good, but it's a lot of toxicity in that space. So I feel like you just have to understand that if you're working someplace and it's great, you love the people you work with, it's very comfortable, but they're not paying you what you want to be valued or what you think you should be getting. And you don't feel like you're being valued, but you stay because you don't think you'll find another place where you'll enjoy working as much. You can. There are other great places where you can work with other lovely people that may pay you more, but you have to put yourself out there to find those opportunities. And it goes the same way for if you're wanting or you're if you think that you want to move up and and get a you know a higher title and more responsibilities, find a place that's actually going to support you. So one of my favorite questions in interviews to ask is, so how can I be supported in hitting these goals, these expectations? Is there a budget for contractors for support? Do I have a team that I can rely on? Is there good relationships with other teams at the company that can be supportive? And figure out how are you going to be supported? Or is everything going to be on your shoulders and the pressure going to crush you? You don't want to work there, but there are places I've worked there. I saved the place five years and I'm a great quitter. I love quitting. I'll do it. <laughs> but I stayed loyal for five years because I had a great team, great support. I had everything I needed to thrive, you know, and those places mm. exist. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's so interesting. I definitely felt that taking the leap uh, from acupuncture to personal finance writing because my job <laughs> was so comfy. Like it was so comfy, but like I couldn't, there was no more room for growth there. Mm. And it ended up being like very much worth the jump. But if it hadn't been, if I hadn't liked it, I could always just go back. Like yeah. I could, and I was, I, I was in a, ideal situation where I could go back. But there are also other jobs too. Yeah. Like you shouldn't permission to change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's permission. So I love claiming I love that, that permission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just absolutely I don't know who told us that you have to like choose one thing to do like mm -hmm. after college and then just do that thing. And if you change your mind then you suck. <laughs> like that's just so silly. <laughs> Like life changes, you become a parent, you mm -hmm. want different things. I used to hate working remotely. Now I don't know what I would do without it, you know? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, we should all just give ourselves grace. And if anyone tries to shame you for it, think about why they're shaming you. If it's a former manager and you're quitting and they're super pissed at you, it's because you made their life more inconvenient. Because now they have to find someone else to do what you were doing and hire someone else. Well, wait, that's the job of a manager. So you know what? You asked for this. Mm -hmm. So you have to like, you're not responsible for how other people feel about the decisions that you make. You just got to make the best choice you can with integrity and make peace. With, if people want to get annoyed about it, that's not your problem. I love Tabitha Brown. She's always like, it's not my business. It's not my business how other people think about the choices that I make. And I think we all could stand to, you know, really internalize that. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
You know what else we need permission for and can be internalized? It's also an external thing. I mean, it just fits the bill on all the things. We should all, we all get permission for this. The The Bill of the the Week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. So, Mandy, every week we invite our listeners or our guests to share with us their bill for the week. And we know you have one prepared and we can't wait to hear it. I did prepare and I went maybe in a little bit of a different direction than you guys were expecting, but I'm going to shout out. No, the direction is vague for a reason. Okay, cool. I'm going to shout out. (laughs) I looked up this bill. I'm going to shout out bill HR 6850, which is a bill that's been (laughs) proposed to the House of Representatives. It's called the Salary Transparency Act. It would require employers to actually disclose the wage or the salary range in public job listings for jobs. So hell yeah. I want to shout that bill out. And who was it proposed by? This fabulous Del Norton and Eleanor Holmes, Democrats from like, Mm. looks like DC. I don't know. So I want to shout that out. We know we just had a pay transparency law that passed here in New York City and changed the game for millions of workers because now you actually can see the job salary range on a job listing, which is like something that seems so like... Why Why is it hidden and finally yeah. it's happening? So yeah, I hope this law passes at the federal level. That would be pretty dope. This is a great yeah. bill. We love, we love all <laughs> directions of bills. People have talked about these types of bills in the past. And this is one of the most frustrating things to me in mm-hmm. finding work. Anytime I filled out applications, it's like, don't waste my time and I won't waste your time. Because often yeah. it's not until you get to the final stages of hiring that that you learn what you might make or what they're kind of offering. And it's like, I never would have applied. (laughs) Like, this is so ridiculous. I was even in a job interview at one point, sorry to hijack your bill of the week, where they were like, oh, and you could even earn a little bit more if you wanted, like if you happen to have a, like if you got your bachelor's degree at some point. I was like, I have my bachelor's degree right now sitting in front of you. And he's like, oh, Oh, okay. Like it was just a waste of everybody's time. Mm. Oh, I'm getting fired up about this. Like, <laughs> yeah. why didn't you tell me the salary range? Why didn't you read my accomplishments? Like, yeah, that, when and you that was part, probably school, partially maybe on me. You could like, start making twelve dollars. Yeah, golly, yeah. it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, we just all need to know what we're in for, and it'll go a lot better. Yeah, a thousand. Yeah, percent. yeah, it doesn't take away the need to know your value and to have your own target salary range in mind. But mm-hmm. it does take put the onus on the people who actually have the power and have the knowledge to share that. And I think, um, I think yeah. it's a good thing all around. Yep. Great yes. bill, Mandy. I hope Thanks. I hope it happens <laughs> for all of our well, sakes. We, midterms we, were kind of dicey. I don't know how things are shaped. I don't even know who controls what right we'll now. See. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Who whoever knows. If you listening have a bill you're particularly psyched about, you hope passes, or a bill you paid, a bill you don't want to pay, a person named Bill, you know the drill. Frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. We're waiting for it. 
I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. And now it's time for the lightning round. Pew, pew, pew. It gets just gets weirder, Mandy. Shut I'm down for it. Let's go. And th- it, we're going to get poached for our <laughs> lightning round noises. Like some sort of sound okay. effects oh, yeah. is going to be finding me. It's going to happen <laughs> one day. We've been doing this for almost five years, and eventually one day, Jill will get poached for her sound effects. You never know. And uh, yeah, it's a good thing that I control the inbox. Well, Goldie controls it. So. <laughs> Let's go. Just I'm yeah. All right. So this week's lightning round is sharing our best or worst salary negotiation story, and bonus points if it's funny, but it doesn't have to be. Mine is not funny. Uh, So Mandy, you have the most stories. Yeah. So you can go first. Oh, funny. I don't know if I have a funny one. It's all very serious and stressful um, in the best way possible. (laughs) I like to just go ahead and let people... Yeah. Salary negotiation is stressful. It's supposed to be. It's uncomfortable. You'd have to get over it and do it anyway. Um, I'm most proud of the last corporate salary that I negotiated because I negotiated like the baller that I was. And I knew that they really wanted me. And um, I got the offer from them. And it was great because at that point, I illustrated my brilliance. It was pretty great. Um, I was happy with the base compensation, but the the signing bonus was like 50K. And I was like, you can do better than that. And I I remember I talked to the recruiter and I was like, you know, I just don't think that this signing bonus is, it makes me as excited for the bonus as I am for the role. And is there any way that we can make that more exciting? And they did. They turned it from 50 to 125. And that was pretty fun. More than double. My word. Oh my gosh. You have to ask. Okay, how do you show like... I mean, how do you show like 
Do you have to prove your your need or your worth for a signing bonus? Like what is involved with that? Well, to get the signing bonus, I mean, in my industry at the time, this was a, um, a financial institution. Signing bonuses are not unheard of. And it's becoming more and more common, especially in the wake of the pandemic, more and more businesses, I mean, even Domino's Pizza was offering signing bonuses. So that's one of the good outcomes of the pandemic is that companies to to fight for demand for the best people, they needed to offer these little incentives. So it was common, but I also was leaving money on the table at my current company at the time. So I was leaving like equity that had been unvested. And I think it was approaching my annual bonus time. And so I had already let them know, you know, can you make me whole for the money I'm leaving on the table? So that 50K was like just about covering it. But I, like I said, I just wanted to feel as excited about the compensation offer as I genuinely was for the opportunity. And I knew that they really wanted me. So no, I didn't have to fight or make my case because at that point, I'd already made them excited to hire me. At that point, they already knew how amazing I was. And it was a, and I also knew that the hiring manager, I knew what was going to happen. The recruiter was going to go to the hiring manager and say, hey, do you have the budget for more? What can you do for Mandy? And he really wanted me. So I was like, He'll probably say something. I didn't think it was going to be nearly triple, but I thought it would be more. <laughs> and that was, you know, challenge accepted on their part. <laughs> Don't show the jaw drop. Wow. Stone face. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah, thank you. I am that, excited That'll now. do it. <laughs> yeah. I feel excited. <laughs> ding, ding, yes. ding. You got mm, there. Adequately excited. <laughs> mm, great. <laughs> thank you. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Um, Jill, can you top it? <laughs> no, I can't. My my worst is that, oh, you guys, here you go. Jen loves vulnerability. I have never negotiated a salary. Mm, In my okay. defense, I come from, my background is in social work, and I have historically worked in very small nonprofits where I was leading the nonprofit. So the negotiation would have looked like me negotiating with myself, trying to increase fundraising. Isn't there a board? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. But then like the board would just say, you go make more money, like you go get more money from fundraising efforts. They were always super small organizations where you just needed more money to provide for the women that we were caring for. So it just, it was complicated. I would say my way of moving up within the field has been increasing my skill set, educational background, and mm -hmm. the job hopping and the side hustles. And Jen and I starting our own business and going after entrepreneurial pursuits. So at, at its core of negotiating a salary, I've never really been in a company where there's like anybody to negotiate with. <laughs> but negotiating maybe with myself and then it, within some of these. So my best, though, I will say is within having Frugal Friends podcast and co-owning a business with Jen, we have been in positions of negotiating. Oh, and yeah, the two sure. of us together, uh, it's it's a fun combo. I would say that's fun. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it funny, but it is fun to be on <laughs> some of these phone calls and kind of volley back and forth where Jen hops in on something. Well, what about this? What can you do on this? And then I hop in on something else and I ask for, mm -hmm. and we've we've done well negotiating. Yes. It's not necessarily like negotiating salaries, but it's negotiating partnerships and deals. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Deals. I know. I get to do that too. It's fun. 
because I, I just yeah. live for that thrill, <laughs> the stress of it. I know. I mean, Especially when like, you feel like yeah. you have a leg up, which is, yeah, that when there's something to stand on, when you've kind of proven out your skill set and you've got a platform to stand on, then it becomes a little bit more exhilarating. Yep. Because your value is obvious. Yeah. And I learn something from every single one. Like, I still don't feel like I'm a master negotiator because every time we negotiate a deal, I learn something new. And I wouldn't, and we would not be as successful in negotiating without like friendships and relationships with other people that are not, I mean, better negotiators, just, but just really just more like knowledgeable about the industries and the deals that we're in and like being able to have people you know, tell us like, all right, this is what they'll budge on. This is what you can expect. This is what so-and-so at the other, you know, organization did. Yeah. And so like, yeah, like relationships have been critical to negotiating well, I have found. They're, They're critical to literally everything we've done, but negotiation is just one of the things on the list. What about you, Jen? What stories do you have for us? Okay. So... My worst one, I when I was just starting out, I was like a new acupuncturist. I was making $10 an hour and I had an offer from an, a competing clinic, but I wanted to like honor this woman who had given me a job before I was licensed. She had given me a lot of mentorship. So she had just done a lot for me, but she was paying me $10 an hour. So I wanted to be faithful to her and loyal to her. And I was like, can you give me more than $10 an hour? And she said, no. So I left because ultimately I am most loyal to me. Okay, good. I was worried. (laughs) Yeah, no, I left. So, but like I was transparent with her about all of that. Um, And when she said no, I I had to, had to leave. So that was like gut-wrenching. What was the raise? It was... Oh my God. It was almost double. It nice. was insane. Of course yeah. you left. Um, yeah, of course. Just and and cheap, he was she very... valued you cheaply. Yeah. You know. And it turned out to be an even better job, like an even better boss, even better coworkers. Like it was just all around 10 times better. But I didn't know that going into it. Mm-hmm. It was really a, a chance and a, you know, a feeling that I took. So that... And I guess best. Uh, That was great. But when I left acupuncture altogether to start writing, they had kind of poached me. So I had taken kind of like a quote unquote internship with them just on the side of my regular job because they saw like I, I saw they were offering internships on LinkedIn of all places, LinkedIn. And I had a blog. I had no other writing background. So I was like, Hey, this is this is my portfolio. And they're like, cool, come on. And uh, after that internship, they wanted to hire me full time, but I didn't want to leave my job yet. And so they had wanted me for almost a year. Uh, They had been asking me to come on. And finally, I was ready. And I was able to... So they offered me a number. I think it was 41. And then... I was just looking at every all the compensation and the benefits. And I was like, in order to make this viable for me, I have to take 51. And I think I got 
46 or 47. So it wasn't everything that I asked for, but it was something I would have gotten if I hadn't asked. So yeah, that was, that was the last increase of 5k in what they were offering you. Like a 10% increase. It's not bad at all. Mm -hmm, It's great. mm -hmm. Yeah. I was never going to get that in raises Mm -mm. and I didn't because they laid off half the company a year later. Are you talking about penny order? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, St. So, Petersburg, um, personal finance. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that layout. But that was a great, yeah, it was a great place to work while it lasts. And that was my last J-O-B. Everything else has been negotiating deals and rates and Nothing like a good layout that, so. to really put you on a path for success. Mm-hmm. I tell you, it was <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to me. Worst timing, because I was eight weeks away from giving birth. Oh, right. So horrible timing. Best thing that's ever happened to the, you know, the career, so to speak. So yeah. yeah. Well, Mandy, you have given us a plethora of things to think on, look for, aim at mindset shifts mostly. And I really hope that those continue to solidify for folks wanting just better in their careers and earning potentials. And you've talked a lot about some of your resources. Where can people get more from you so they can keep digging in? Yeah, I think the most exciting thing right now is my negotiating masterclass. It's free, offering it entirely for free. I teach my full method for negotiating. It's a complete lesson. There's no, in order to get the rest, you have to sign up for this. And I do that sporadically when I feel like it. So the best thing to do is to sign up for my email list. You can do that at mandymoney.com. It's M-A-N-D-I money.com and join my mailing list. And um, no spam. I'll let you know when the next masterclass is. I've also got a free toolkit called the Just Quit Toolkit. If you need a little extra push in the right direction that you can download also for free from mandymoney.com. Awesome. Uh, Definitely. Definitely get in on that. And we're also going to link some of Mandy's articles that she's written that I really enjoy uh, in our show notes. So yeah, check out more from Mandy. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Thanks for being here. Jill, I can Whew. see I can see you were a little challenged by today's I was, episode. I was. I'm still sweating. Just yeah. a little bit, but like good sweat. You, you know, are like wearing a jacket the as kind, well. The kind of sweat that you get from sitting in like a really amazing sauna. It's like, I signed up for this. I'm here for it. It's what I wanted. And I am sweating. Yeah. I can't go in saunas. I'm, I'm pregnant again. <laughs> oh. It's the things I hate about it. So, foodfriendspodcast.com <laughs> yeah. slash Patreon. <laughs> I, I loved this episode because it, it validated some of the things like I already knew about negotiating and the part about being poached. I knew mm. that happened. I didn't know how common it was and I didn't know, I wouldn't have been able to tell a strategy for making yourself poachable. Yeah. And that is really, I think, my biggest takeaway. I'm so passionate that your network of relationships really is what gets you further in life, mm-hmm. way more than who you can pay to do what for you. So this is just another way of of investing in people. Yeah. Uh, not even, I mean, just bare minimum investing in people yeah. and and see and having it help you so much. I think it helped me break out of a little bit of the box that I still can feel 
like I'm in mm-hmm. or don't know I'm in, but realize I'm in by talking with people with alternative perspectives. But also, I think we can have such a narrow mindset of, like Mandy pointed out, what it means to be poached, what it means to be able to move up in our career and negotiate higher salaries. And it might not look the same in all of the fields, but that doesn't mean it's not accessible in every yeah. field. And to yeah. realize, I didn't realize it until talking with Mandy, like that is what's happened for me. I have changed careers because in many ways I got poached. Like the one social work job that I was in, I left and started working for one of the people I previously worked with. Like, yeah, that was the, that was a personal relationship, but that was, you know, uh, with under the umbrella of a poaching scenario. I also realized that my opportunity to, I'm taking on an adjunct professor position and that happened because I'm on LinkedIn. I don't, Mm -hmm. I rarely update it, but a few months ago, I just thought to, oh, I'm not looking for work, but it'd be good to just, I like keeping things updated. I don't know. It's probably part of my like organization and minimalism. I'm like, I hate that there's a LinkedIn profile on me that's not up to date. I'm just going to update it, but I'm not <laughs> looking for more. But then because of that, a previous professor reached out and offered me an adjunct professor role. Like, yeah, that is. And that's for me within the field of social work. It's all within the field of social work. So it really does just drive home Mandy's point. Yeah, definitely. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We hope and and we pretty much know you got something out of this, but we'd also love to hear you report back on all of your success stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, And many of you know that we also have a private community where we do monthly money challenges and we offer accountability groups, which we all need because we love community. And we want to congratulate one of our members for a big win. This came from Susan, who says, thank you, Frugal Friends Club. I paid off one of my credit cards last week that at its highest balance was nearly $30,000. I have one more credit card with a balance of $18,000 that if I stick to my plan will be paid off by April 2023, just around the river bend. As I have carried this debt, I also have carried the shame of having built it. But this group is so supportive and safe that I feel less shame about the debt and more empowered to pay it off. I have so much gratitude for you all. Susan, we have gratitude for you. You are an invaluable member. We have loved having you. And yeah, shame is not something you should carry about this. We are so excited for you. And there's, we're going to have quite a few people, I think, in April of 2023 making some big debt payoff milestones. For some reason, that's going to be a big month. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for that. It's very close. And my goodness, what massive strides in such a short amount of time. So I'm so glad that this community has been helpful for you. Those money challenges have been helpful for you. If you all listening think this is the kind of motivation you need, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club. You can see what challenge we have coming up next. You can jump in with us. You can see this kind of progress for yourself. Mm -hmm. See you there. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. So I want to talk about what I just talked to you about. Okay. But not what we just talked about. Okay. But what we talked about before. I'll follow your lead <laughs> so we don't get canceled. <laughs> um, I bought a shirt. <laughs> okay. And it is a maternity shirt. Yeah. And so I have very limited options. Okay. okay. It's got to be long. Okay. That has, that's like the first. 
and it, I mean, it has to be wide enough. So either maternity or just like a baggy, Mm -hmm. flowy shirt. Mm -hmm. And I hate flowy things. Okay. So I find this black tank top. Mm -hmm. And if you know me, you know. Black. Black black tank tops are all I wear. Yeah. So I buy it. I don't even think twice about it. It's Mm -hmm. my size. I'm here for it. It's at the thrift store. And I put it on the first time. You bought it before having tried it on? I didn't try it on. It was my size. Okay. Yeah. And therein lied the problem (laughs) because I put it on and there's a hole right in the chest region Uh and holes at the bottom, Uh which thankfully are covered by most maternity pant. Yeah. They go right up, right up all over the tummy. Okay. And so that is not much of a problem, but... The one, and you actually thought, <laughs> this is so sweet. You didn't, you just thought I had a crumb on my boob and you didn't tell me. <laughs> and then you realized, oh, that's a hole. And I am wearing an overshirt that could yeah. cover it, but opens up. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I would point something out to you. I did notice it, but you were telling me a story. So I'm not going to interrupt you and just so you can like <laughs> flick the crumb off your boob. So so then I didn't say, but then upon further investigation, while I was multitasking, while both you listening staring. to you and investigating your left <laughs> breast, I realized, oh, that's not a crumb. That's a hole in the shirt. And I'm going to leave it alone. Poor girl's pregnant. What are you going to do? And, and I knew full, this is the second time I've worn but, this shirt. But now what's worse? Because, yeah, you know. Yeah. You know it has holes. I have limited options you're available. you're putting it on. Limited options available. I don't know. I think you have a limiting mindset about your clothing options. Well, I have a limiting body type (laughs) about my clothing options. Surely there is another shirt at the thrift store. Absolutely. There are other shirts. They are ugly. That don't have holes in them. I know you value beauty (laughs) and it is not one of my core values. So when I tell you the other options were ugly, I I need you to trust me. Yeah, this one isn't so much about my peripheral value of beauty. This might fall under the core values of faith, family, friends, (laughs) and fulfilling work. You can have none of these with that hole right, right on your bra. And I agree. But here in life, here's and where my priorities are. I'm still wearing it. She won't get rid of it until she gets the baby out of her belly. So come I, soon. <laughs> March, come soon. I will not put it back into a thrift store. I will not do this to another woman. Thank you. Yeah. Turn it into like a rag or something. A burp cloth for sure. <laughs> okay. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.